everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And today we have lots of news. We talk about Gina Child's criminal charges, major plot twist, what the Olympic experience will be like for the athletes, the new name image likeness rule for college athletes, and so much more. So stick around. We also want to real quickly give a shout out to our gold level Patreon supporters. So thank you to Kevin K, Karina G, Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, DFP, Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, and Erica S. Thank you all so much for continuing to support our show each month at the highest tier level. We appreciate it more than you know. And we also just want to let any new listeners know that we have a website. It's going to be linked in the show notes down below. And on there, we have a support us tab. And that'll take you to basically about our Patreon. So our Patreon is anywhere from $1 to $5 a month. And if you go to that site, you can see a breakdown of what you get at each tier level, the kind of perks that you get, and all of that. So we will have that linked down in the show notes down below for anybody who is interested in supporting our show. We appreciate you all so, so much, and we hope that you enjoy today's episode. Okay, so a lot has happened this past week, and I feel like there is so many things that we need to talk about. This is going to be kind of a long episode, I feel like, so I want to go ahead and just jump straight into probably the biggest news of the past week, also maybe the most... Shocking. Yeah, unexpected. (laughs) And that is that Gina Childs is to report to prison the same day that the all-around final at the Olympics will be happening. So that means that if Jordan were to make it to the all-around final at the Olympics, her mom would be able to watch and then she would have to turn herself into prison just eight hours later. That's a roller coaster ride of emotions. It is, because you could argue that that's possibly the biggest day of Jordan's life. And to, you know, go from such a high... If she gets to that point, of course, and then also possibly have, you know, a low like that. And that's something that's a really big deal with her mm-hmm. Jordan's mom going to prison. And it's just shocking. I, I had no idea when I woke up Saturday morning that this was even a thing. It was, yeah, no, I was like, no idea. What is this? What am I reading? So basically, she was sentenced to one year and one day in prison for wire fraud. So Gina ran something called Inspire Vision Property Management, which is a commercial properties management business. And what had happened was Gina's clients would deposit funds into bank accounts that she had access to. So then she would take the money from those accounts and move them over to her own personal accounts and use the money for her own personal things. Her clients would be under the belief that she was using the money to help pay bills, oversee repairs and renovations, things of that nature. But like I said, she was actually using the money for her own personal gains, I guess you could say. Yeah, so shopping trips. Yep. So the article from Scott Reed from the OC Register, which is the Orange County Register, it said in there that she had used around $53,000 at retail stores and for personal service providers. So I would assume that that means like, I don't know, going and getting like your hair done, going to the salon, things of that nature, like personal services for yourself. Mm-hmm. 166000 in investments in her children's businesses, and then nearly $40,000 in cash, which is untraceable, obviously, because it's cash, so you just 
you see the lump sum pulled out, but you don't actually know what it was being used for. Right. And over time, that ended up being like over a million dollars worth of funds from her clients that were just taken from them, which is why she now has to pay back over $1.2 million in restitution, along with three years of supervised release after prison, which I'm assuming is just probation. The article called it supervised release, but I'm like, what does that mean? I think it's just probation. But either way, she'll be in jail, like I said, for one year and one day. And then this all actually... So the news broke now, right before the Olympics, but... This actually kind of all has been happening, I guess you could say, for the past year. So she pled guilty March 3rd, 2020, to one charge of wire fraud. That charge that she pled guilty to happened in May of 2018. So she was charged, pled guilty in March of 2020, and then formally sentenced November 30th of 2020. So, in a sense, this isn't anything new yeah um this is something that's new to the public's knowledge yes this is something that i'm assuming that jordan and her family have already been aware of have come to terms with and hopefully made peace with long before the media got their hands on it and there's been a lot of discussion on the gym tonight about you know whether this article should have been published or not is it fair to jordan all of that and i and i think that there's a lot of opinions on that Mm mm-hmm Well, I think that first and foremost, now is not a great time for that to be coming out for Jordan. She's preparing for the biggest meet of her life. And now to have the whole world know this about her mom and to have her name and her image being associated with that as if it's something that she did. I would imagine that is very, very challenging for her. Really not fair to her. No, it's not. It's not fair. And, you know, a lot of people feel like it's kind of exploitive of Jordan and it it is I agree Mm -hmm. with that using her image having her name be like in the title of the article for Scott Reed to be tagging different organizations like USA Gymnastics and UCLA that are affiliated with Jordan that's highly inappropriate because it has nothing to do with Jordan in her gymnastics career. Right. Um, you could argue that it does have something to do with Jordan in the sense that it's her mom. And now that she's an Olympian, this is happening right before the Olympics. Her mom's going to be going to jail during the Olympics. It is relevant. And I know people don't always agree with that. It is relevant in that sense. And it, you can say that it's news. But I personally, I'm not comfortable with Scott Reed you know, tackling the story and publishing it right now at this time, it kind of takes away from what Jordan's doing. It feels a little bit mean-spirited, you yeah. could say. I think that, you know, you could argue all these reasons why, from a journalistic perspective, you could publish that story. But from a human perspective, and if you have a little bit of empathy, I, f- I feel for Jordan. I would never be able to post that just knowing... You know, that Jordan's going for the biggest meet of her life. She's trying to focus. She's probably already feeling a lot of stress and pressure. Oh, yeah. And then to put this on her plate as well. Yeah, I just, I wouldn't be okay with that as a journalist. Yeah, it's hard. Because like you said, there is reason for a journalist to pick up this story. Like, I can understand from a journalistic perspective 
why this is news, why it would include Jordan's name, because it's yeah. her mother, like you said, and she's yeah. an Olympian, and that's what happens. It's really unfortunate. Like, that could be a whole other conversation. <laughs> it truly is. Like, yeah. what we consider news, um, the kinds of things that the media even talks about, and things that, like, drama and... Right, because the reality of it is, and, like, you don't have to agree with this, but it, it is reality, that story, the only reason why people care about it is because of the connection to Jordan Childs. Yeah. Um, you hear things all the time in the news of things happening to people, and you don't really necessarily care because it's not relevant or to you. It's, it's not, not relevant, relevant to, to your you. life. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. And it's just like, whatever. But when it's about somebody who's you know prominent, a prominent figure, an athlete, especially as we're getting ready for the Olympic Games, it's right around the corner... People care now because of that. It, it, it gives you a reason to be, like, interested in the story. It draws yes. interest in that way. And I think the reality of it is that people do like drama. People like controversy. Um, people like knowing juicy details of people's life. That's a whole other conversation <laughs> about why people are that way and why we, why we care about those things as people. And also, I would say why the article is being brought up now. Because journalists are probably foying for information on all of these, not even just in the gymnastics world, this is probably happening like across the board for all Olympians. Oh, yeah. Like, boom, you're an Olympian. Now people are prying into your family's personal information. And I'm not saying that's right. Right. I'm not at all saying that's right. I'm saying that's reality. That's what happens. That's what journalists do. Journalists are looking for stories heading into the Olympics. And they're going to start looking into every tweet that someone has posted, any criminal history, any drama that could be going on within the family, anything that's basically made public. And it looks like this information, these, you know, court records, you can get those things if you're a journalist and you're foying for them. Right. No, by the way, FOIA is Freedom of Information Act. It's a... It's a way that journalists get court records and police records and information that the general public would not be able to get. Yes. And so I think what happened is that before Jordan Childs was an Olympian, why would somebody be foying for Jordan Childs' family and their information? They right. wouldn't because she wasn't an Olympian. And then unless they... She became an Olympian and now suddenly there's public interest in her, which means by default there's public interest in her family as well. Yes. And, and that, I'm not saying it's right. Right. <laughs> I'm saying it's reality. That's this how, is what happens with media. Yeah. And that's what happens with anybody who is even remotely famous. Yeah. You know, even when you look at like big name celebrities, you know, you could have, uh, I don't even know who to give as an example, but you could have somebody who's super, super famous, their children who aren't really famous, they're only famous because they're that person's like child. the Obama kids come to mind for me. Like they haven't done anything besides be the daughter of a president, a former president. But, like, you can bet your ass if they do something that's controversial, it's going to be talked about well, because does. their dad was the president. Right, exactly. You'll forever be associated with the famous person that you're related to. That That's just how it works. Yeah. Um, but regardless, like, like we were saying initially, I think that, you know, there's a way to be a journalist and get the good stories. And, and still have morals and ethics. And, and be respectful to... Especially young people like Jordan. Like, Jordan's young. Like, she's not some old person that I feel like could handle, like, the blow of something like this. I feel like this is a sensitive topic. Well, it's her first Olympics. It's her first Olympics. She's young. There's a lot of tension and stress right now. Like, she didn't need this. And I think that Scott Reed, having wrote a lot of articles within the gymnastics community and being familiar with this community and, you know, how, like, small and tight-knit and how things travel. And, like, I think that he knew what he was doing 
when he made a picture of Jordan as like the main picture and he was tagging her future college and her current organization that she represents, USA Gymnastics. That was wrong and he knew what he was doing with that and I don't agree with that. Yeah, he's trying to get clicks. He's trying to get the story to circulate in the easiest way possible, which is to make it about Jordan and that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Okay, so enough of that. Let's, we're going to continue to talk about the Olympics, obviously. We're going to move towards the rest of the field being named. So the Olympic field for gymnastics is finalized. We have all of our teams and all of the gymnasts that are going to be on these teams. Some of these were announced a couple weeks ago, but we've been so caught up with like going to trials and coming back and <laughs> getting back into the swing of things that we just missed some of these announcements. So we're going to do a little catch up right now and just read through the teams that we missed. So from the Netherlands, we have Sané and Lieke Vevers, Ithora Thorsdottir, and Vera Van Poel. And with the Netherlands, we had a little bit of a scare there for a hot second. <laughs> because... It was very, like, Cal NCAA type scare where they were yeah. like, just COVID and what's happening? Yeah, for a second there, it looked like somebody had COVID. They had a positive test and everyone had a quarantine. Yes, but it ended up being all good. So no worries there, but kind of... Had us in suspense a little bit. And also, I think it's just the grim reality of what could happen and how quickly this could be taken away from any of these athletes at any second. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling that's not the last time we're going to see that whole situation happening. I mean, knock on wood, I'm not hoping for that. Like, I'm not trying to jinx the situation. I hope it's but... the last time. <laughs> but with COVID, you never know. From Spain, we have Roxana Popa, Alba Petsico, Marina Gonzalez, and Laura Bechtelou. Then from Belgium, we have Nina Derwal, Melise Bressar, Huta Verkast, and Lisa Veiling. From China, we have Zhang Jing, Tong Xijing, Liu Yufei, Ou Shan, and then we have the two specialists, Fan Yilin and Guan Chen Chen. Notably missing from that is Li Xijia. We talked about her, I think, maybe an episode or two ago. She injured her knee, actually, at one of their trials, and there was hope that maybe she would be okay, but it appears that she is not okay because she was not named to the Olympic team or even as a replacement athlete, which is really, really unfortunate because I was so excited to see her. I think a lot of people were. But this Chinese team is amazing. We're going to have a whole episode next week where we talk about like our medal predictions and all of that. So I'll save my talk for that. But I do think that this Chinese team... Is a strong Chinese team. It's one regardless. of the better ones that we've seen in a while, I feel like. Yeah. We'll, we'll save our talk for it. <laughs> and last but not least, we have the Italian team. Leading the pack, we have twin sisters, Alicia and Asia D'Amato. And then we have Martina Maggio, Georgia Villa, and the specialist, Vanessa Ferrari. And that's it. That completes the field for the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. I should be saying 2020 Tokyo Olympics because that's what all the, like, that's what the official name is. Like, it's going to be remembered as the 2020 Olympics. But I see so many people still calling it 2021. It's so hard. Know, the athletes are doing it too. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be calling I think technically, like I said, it's supposed to be 2020. Like when we refer back to this Olympics and how Simone Biles dominated the 2020 Olympics, you would say that. Yeah. Um, I guess either works. For now, I'm just saying 2020 because that's what feels right to me at the moment, but we'll see. I might transition at some point and start calling it 2020. That's just weird. We're not there yet. <laughs> 
So a lot of people have been asking us how to actually watch the games just with the time change and how drastic it is, like how many hours apart it is. And then you have the men's competitions, the women's competitions. It can get a little bit confusing. We're not going to read through it here on the show just because I feel like it would take a while. And there's so many different like time zones and I don't know what time zone you're in when you're listening to this. So, But Koshi Edits on Twitter has a great spreadsheet going. Actually, yeah. it's more like a, like a document which we'll link in the show notes because it has every competition who's competing all the time zones in the united states pretty much everything you need as well as like ways to watch as well depending on if you're like in the united states if you're out of the united states so it's super helpful it's really just like a go-to document for everything gymnastics during the olympics yeah so like you said we'll have that linked in the show notes below and the competition starts on the 23rd with the first subdivision of men yeah that's men's qualification um and then from there just follow the schedule. It'd be a lot easier that way. That's what I plan on doing. I have a schedule saved. That way I can keep going back and looking at it. I don't have to commit it to memory. <laughs> but we really wanted to talk in this episode about what the Olympics is going to look like in a COVID year. Because I feel like there's so many changes and different adjustments that these gymnasts are having to make. And this Olympics is not going to be like any Olympics in years past, like ever. It'll be a historic Olympics just because of COVID and the fact uh, that it was postponed. That was the first time ever in like modern day Olympic history that that's ever happened. Yeah. And so right now what's happening is Japan and Tokyo is in like a, a state of emergency. So that happened on Thursday, July 7th. 2021 obviously and what that basically means is that no fans are going to be allowed in the stands initially they were only allowing was it like 10,000 it was 50% capacity so depending on the size of the venue they were capping it off at 10,000 people so it's 50% of whatever the venue will hold yeah with no more than 10,000 and that would be only for Japanese spectators no international fans. No international fans. That's basically been a thing from the start. Yeah. So no family, no friends of the athletes, none of that. Now it literally means nobody. Right. Nobody will be there except for people who are on the floor competing and coaches and all of that. It also means, and this doesn't necessarily affect the gymnast, but just to further explain like what state of emergency looks like in Tokyo, any place that sells alcohol has to close down during the Olympics. And the main reason for that is just to prevent people from going out, gathering, watching the Olympics, um, socializing, partying, all of that. Not that the athletes were going to be doing that regardless, but I guess to kind of paint the picture for what the city will look like as a whole, the athletes can expect to see when they look out their windows, not many people walking around, out doing things, partying, as they should. You know, that's that probably is a very smart thing because COVID cases are obviously on the rise in Tokyo. So that was the reason for the state of emergency even going into effect. And I think it's a smart idea to help keep the athletes safe and also the people of Tokyo safe. Like there are people that live here and we're trying to host an Olympics in the middle of a pandemic and so many things about it that don't feel very safe yeah. to a lot of us. And it's definitely concerning and it's risky for the athletes but nonetheless, the Olympics are going on. Here we are. We're basically, what, like two weeks away? Yeah. And 
this is happening. So what are the Olympics going to be like? You've actually had the chance to talk to several different athletes and kind of get their thoughts on, you know, how they're feeling about this Olympics, not having spectators, basically everything that's going to be going on for them mm-hmm. throughout the next couple of weeks. So one thing that I found interesting is the different perspectives between the men and the women. I think the men feel a lot differently about it than the women do. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because on the men's side, they typically compete in more than one Olympic cycle. It's just very common to see a male gymnast go to two or three Olympics, whereas on the women's side... You don't see very many girls going for more than one. So I think for someone like Sam McHulick, he's already been to an Olympics. He's been to two Olympics. He's already had that Olympic experience where he's been able to walk around the city and go and explore and see other sporting events. So when I talked to him at the beginning of the year, he was like... I'm good. Like, I've had that experience. He feels more for the athletes who this is their first games or who maybe this might be their only games. But, you know, he seemed to be okay with it. I talked to Yo Moldauer a couple days ago, and he also seemed to be pretty okay with it. I mean, of course it sucks. Like, no one is thrilled about it. But he kind of related it to Doha World Championships in 2018. There wasn't a very big crowd there. So he doesn't really feel like that's going to affect him and his performance at all. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't think he's going to be phased by the fact that there's no fans there. And he's still prepared to be the hype man of Team USA. Oh, yeah. He's going to bring all of the energy that a crowd would bring. All in one person. Yeah, he said he will be the crowd for Team USA. So totally love that. (laughs) But he also has mentioned that he's planning on going for Paris in 2024. So, you know, he might end up getting the best of both worlds where he went to this historic Olympics, this weird Olympics. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll have the opportunity to go to a more normal Olympics and get that full Olympic experience later down the line. On the women's side, um, I think a lot of the athletes really are bummed about not being able to have their family, their friends, having a crowd at all. It's going to be really, really different from anything they're used to because the women are used to competing in front of way more fans than the men are. This is true. And, you know, for someone like Michaela Skinner, she's competed in college at Utah. Of course, huge crowds there. You know, she mentioned, because I talked to her the other day as well, that it's going to be really, really weird not having any fans They've encouraged the athletes to clap rather than cheer or yell. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Like, if people are actually going to listen to that. Michaela's going to have a very difficult time with that, I feel like. Because she's very vocal and she kind of brings that college, you know, vibe and that atmosphere to elite gymnastics. Where she's screaming for everyone. Flashing back to 2019 World, she was like the biggest cheerleader on that team. So, I think she's going to struggle. We'll see if she follows the rules. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think a lot of them just feel the same way. They're, they're of course, happy to be going to the Olympics. It's still going to be an incredible experience, but just not a normal one or one that they would expect. You know, when you hear the stories of the Olympics and, you know, what the whole experience is supposed to be like, it's definitely going to be really, really different. She did say, though, that so the team, Team USA, at least for gymnastics, they're all going to be staying in the same hotel. So they're not going to be staying in the Olympic Village. The women leave on Wednesday. The men leave on Thursday. Of this week that you're listening to this. Yes. And they're going to be staying in a hotel on the same floor. The alternates are going to be staying with them, which 
doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because if somebody tested positive for COVID and the whole team has to quarantine, are we going to have a team? Because yeah. the alternates are there as well. Unless they're keeping the alternates isolated. I didn't actually get that information. I just know that they're going to be in the same hotel with the team. And, and that's, on the same floor. Yeah. And that's different than years past because normally they're not even in the same city. Yeah. In a non-COVID life. So... Yeah, and a lot of people already know this, but I'll say it again. The athletes aren't required to be vaccinated. Um, I know there's a lot of opinions on that, and I and I think that it's hard to mandate people to get vaccinated. I don't think that you can actually do that. No, you can encourage um, it, which they do encourage it. Yeah, but that's where things get tricky is because now we have what I believe is most of Team USA on the men's and women's side being vaccinated. And then, you know, we have some people that aren't vaccinated, whether it be because of their own personal beliefs, the beliefs of their parents. Um, you know, some people are under the age of 18, so they have to get permission, which is a whole other obstacle. And yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot with that. I wish that everybody was vaccinated in an ideal world um, just for their own safety and for the other athletes' safety, and then also for their family's safety when they go home. Like, they're leaving a COVID hotbed, essentially. Like, you're leaving Tokyo, which is a place where COVID cases have been on the rise, and then you're going to be bringing, I don't know, I I hope you're not bringing anything home, but it just, it worries me just a tad. Oh, yeah, when they, when Japan went into a state of emergency again, I really was scared for any athletes that are not vaccinated. Yeah, it's a very scary thing. But anyways, I was saying with Michaela when I talked to her, actually I talked to her yesterday, she said that she saw some pictures of the Olympic Village online, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she said she didn't really think it looked that great anyways. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. She's like, she's like, Maybe it dodged, doesn't matter. dodged a bullet with that one. I, you know, I think I saw it too. It was a video and it was showing like the beds and they looked like hospital beds. Yeah. Kind of. She mentioned the beds and, she, and, you know, having like a hotel room. It was very like, small. So as long as we saw the same video, which I believe it was. Yeah. It looked like a hospital bed. And then it was a super small room. It was basically like a bed shoved up against the wall, a really small hallway. And then like another bed on the other side. It kind of was like freshman year college dorm mixed with hospital vibes. Yeah, and that doesn't sound very nice. No. Honestly, a hotel sounds a lot nicer. The athletes deserve better, yes. for sure. And Michaela is going to be rooming with Simone. They got to pick who they want to room with. And Simone and Michaela, the veterans of the team, they picked each other, which I was a little bit surprised by just because, like, Jordan and Simone are such great friends. Yeah. But maybe that was intentional. Like, maybe they wanted to have, like, the veterans together. Maybe, like, I don't know. I was totally expecting Jordan and Simone to be together. Yeah. Especially with it being Jordan's first Olympics and their friends. But maybe, I guess what I was getting at was that maybe because they're already around each other so much during the Olympics, they wanted to have the experience of rooming with somebody else. Yeah. Like, they're already around each other so much in their daily lives anyways because they train together. That makes sense. So. And I think that Michaela and Simone being the veterans of the team and being basically the same age, they're close in age. Simone is 24 and Michaela's 25. Or Simone is 23 and Michaela's 24. I think Michaela's 24. Either way, they're like a year apart, yeah, basically. They're, they're close. And, you know, I think that they can probably relate to each other in that. And, you know, the pain that they feel in their bodies and maybe being tired and all of those things. They, they probably relate to each other a little bit more mm-hmm. being closer in age. So, I don't know. I, I think it could be a good match for them. And also, Yul Moldauer, he's rooming with Brody Malone. Yes. 
So there's a little bit of insight for you on the roommate situation. We don't know anybody else, but... Also looking forward to seeing Michaela's vlogs while in Tokyo. Yeah. She put on Twitter, which we expected this anyways, but she said she's bringing us to Tokyo with her, so that'll be fun. Yeah. And Alec Yoder on the men's side, he's also doing some vlogs. I don't know if he's going to do it in Tokyo. I haven't watched his latest video yet, but he did the recent training camp that they did at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. And um, hoping that we'll see on both the men and women's side some behind the scenes. That. Yeah. Especially just because fans can't be there. And I feel like that's a way for them to connect. Well, especially Michaela, because I know she's like all about that. That's a way for her to connect with like her fan base and the people that watch her videos and kind of like feels like you're bringing people along with you. Yeah. I am genuinely excited to see it. And, and she's rooming with Simone. So I'm like, maybe we'll get to see some like behind the scenes of like, what the goat does in her free <laughs> right. time. Well, and I think at the end of it all, it'll be nice for her and everybody to look back and have that that memory and, you know, that behind-the-scenes look at the Olympics, especially in the Olympics like this one is going to be, where it's so different than anything else we've ever seen before. Yeah. And that's something that Olympians in years past, I mean, they, they could have vlogged, but we just, we've never seen it happen before, so... Mm-hmm. It'll be cool just to have that, not only for herself and for her teammates to have that to look back on, but for the fans as well. Something else is that before the athletes leave, they have to be tested. They have to be tested again once they arrive at the airport in Tokyo. And then they're tested daily, basically the entire time that they're there. Which is smart. And that also sure. probably on par with what they would be doing for any event anyways. Like, I'm assuming when they were at trials, that was probably very similar. Yeah, just to make sure that they're not picking anything up along the way. And then they're required to leave 48 hours after competition, their their final competition. So that means that for the alternates, after qualifications, they have 48 hours to leave. Right. Because they the alternates can no longer step in at that point. That means that if, you know, Michaela Skinner makes the vault final, she has to leave, and that's the only final she makes, she would have to leave 48 hours after the vault final, mm-hmm. um, which would basically be the end of the competition anyways because 48 hours is two days and the way the event finals are spread out it would yeah she basically be able to leave anyways but But either way any athlete yeah and either way there is no you know sitting in the audience watching your teammates there's gonna be none of that there's no going to other sporting events yeah it's basically you're done competing you pack your stuff you you sit you stay isolated until you book your flight and then you go yeah and i remember suny i think it was in the post trials like media conference thing she was talking about like how she didn't know what she was gonna do because the media was asking her like what are you gonna do with your free time like when you're there and she looked so like like she looked genuinely not scared but like concerned like she yeah. was just like i don't know what i'm gonna do like I, I haven't even thought about it yet but like i'm gonna have to do something to keep my mind off of the competition and i don't know what that's gonna be yet yeah well, that's hard, too, because there's no, you know, going out and distracting yourself, and it's going to be a lot of them isolating in their rooms. A and... lot of Netflix binging, a lot of reading. Maybe we can compile, like, a list of good reads that... for the Olympic You know who team. should do that? Oh, or maybe not. Never mind. I was going to say maybe Morgan Hurd should do that, but that, no, that also Morgan feels Hurd really messed up. She should flip off USA Gymnastics and go about her life. I, me- I meant it well, because Morgan is, like, the book guru. Yeah. Like, she probably has a bunch of good suggestions, but that also is a little bit, like, I, what's the word I'm looking for? That, that stings a little bit. Yeah, like, to be yeah. like, oh, we want to Sign some books to the Olympic team. Right. Like, she should be on the Olympic team. 
Right. Me still not. Me still better. She should be on the Olympic team, and then she could bring books for everybody. That's how it should actually should yeah. She should literally be in Tokyo as like the librarian of the team. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the team librarian. I like that. All jokes aside, these girls are going to need something to read. They're going to need some shows to binge, games to play. Mm-hmm. I think Michaela Skinner mentioned like they could do nails and like do hair and makeup, which could be fun. Yeah. Prepare for the meat. Practice their meat, hair, and makeup. You're going to have millions of people watching you on TV, so you might as well nail down your look. <laughs> uh, I, either way, I just I couldn't imagine trying to, you know, focus and train for the biggest meat of your life, and then just to have all this outside pressure, whether it be from things that their parents are doing, or COVID, or just getting in your head about things because you're isolated and you you can't like see or talk to anyone and, and not having the comfort of knowing that your family's there with you i think that that might depend on like person to person but like if i was an athlete i would be nervy knowing that i was in another country my family wasn't there and like i think suni has even mentioned that like she finds comfort in knowing that her dad is there and she yeah. or even her sister she can hear her sister while she's competing she said at trials she was on beam and she could hear her sister yelling while she was doing her routine on beam yeah so to not have that, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the athletes handle it, I think. But I would imagine that that really makes it even more challenging. It takes something that's already very, very pressure-filled and challenging and makes it even more so. Mm-hmm. I am hoping for a good Olympic experience for everybody. I hope that they accomplish everything on the men's and women's side, accomplish everything that they set out to do. And most importantly, I hope that everybody stays safe. Um, and that applies for, like, all the Olympic athletes, even outside of gymnastics, just like around the world. I think that this is, it's going to be intense, one, because it's the Olympics, but it's also going to be intense because of COVID. And like we saw with the Dutch team, it can be taken away from them at any second. And I think that adds another element of anxiety to the situation. Just knowing that like, just because I'm on the team doesn't mean I'm safe. Just because I landed in Tokyo doesn't mean that I'm safe. Like until it's over, you know, there's there's still a lot that they have to get through and worry about. So I hope that they can, you know, find the good in this. I hope that they can still manage to have a good Olympic experience, whether that be getting the medals and the hardware that they want or just having a good experience, you know, with their teammates and down on the competition floor. And just feeling proud of themselves for making it to this point through everything that they've all been through. Yep. The last quad, their whole careers, just to make it to this point and to feel satisfied and fulfilled in their careers and knowing that, I made it to the Olympics, and I survived the Olympics. Yes. And you survived COVID-free, most importantly. So moving right along, we want to talk about the other major thing that happened this past week, and that is that on June 30th, the NCAA announced that college athletes are able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. This is super exciting and Something that we've already kind of seen in the works, we've seen on both the men's and women's side, different athletes teaming up with brands or doing like sponsored posts. And that can be exciting, like I said, and also maybe slightly annoying. We'll get into that in a second. (laughs) But I'm just happy that these athletes are finally being able to profit off of who they are as a person and what they've built yes they've built these social media presences especially someone like olivia dawn like 
a lot of these athletes have a lot of fans, even outside of the gymnastics world. They're they're known. Oh yeah, and Olivia Dunn. Most of her following is not gymnastics fans. I know it's like TikTok bros and like <laughs> like it is old. guys that think she's attractive. Yeah, like she has a following, and so do a lot of these other athletes. So it's not just her. Like a lot of gymnasts have a pretty you know large following, whether it be on TikTok or Instagram or someone like Cindy Solaski has a YouTube channel, and she also has a TikTok with a lot of follow like a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that because they can't you know, work full-time while they're in school. Like, they have no choice but to, like, focus on gymnastics because that's all they really have time for is school and gymnastics. Now they can make money off of who they are, their own personal brand, and I think that's a really good opportunity for them. And I'm glad to finally see that come into effect. And like I said, we've seen a lot of gymnasts already kind of come out with, like, some sort of brand deal or, like, merch. So I was going to just name a couple, like, of the big ones that we've seen. So Olivia Dunn, we haven't seen, at least to my knowledge, anything, like, like a deal for her yet. But oh, she, I'm sure one's coming. I'm sure something big is coming. But she was on a billboard in Times Square, which is also pretty sick. That's huge. That's huge. She is the most followed college athlete out of, like, everybody. So that means, like, the basketball players, the football players, all of, like, the big school, the big wig people – Olivia Dunn is number one. Yeah, so she has 1.1 million followers on her Instagram, and then she just recently hit 4 million on her TikTok. Also, she is on Twitter, and she's grown quite a bit there as well, because I looked recently, and she only had like 1,000 followers, but now- I didn't even know that she had a Twitter. Yeah, well, I don't think she really used it, but she started using it recently. Yeah, she's, because now she's going to start making coin off all of her tweets. She also was just very recently verified. I'm looking at this right now. So she's verified now, and she has 12.8 thousand, which she grew very, very quickly. Because, yeah. like, a couple months ago, even, she had nowhere near that. Yeah, so we expect a lot of really big brand deals for her, especially, mm-hmm. just because of how large her following is and, like, how many people she can reach. We saw Jasmine Foberg with Degree Deodorant, which I think that's huge. Ragan Smith was the first athlete to partner with Cameo. So that means that she basically can like make like personalized shout-outs or videos for fans that they can purchase. That's what Cameo is, if you aren't aware. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a popular thing. I, I knew what it was, but I didn't know how like how often people actually use that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you want a video of Ragan Smith saying like happy birthday or congratulating you out of me if you're a gymnast, then like go check out her cameo. Mark Zetta has merch. So just a lot of exciting things like that. I think with this comes a lot of questions. And the biggest one is like, what is the difference between going pro and then also being able to keep your eligibility and profit off your name, image, and likeness? I said that kind of weird. (laughs) Profit off of your name, image, and likeness. So... I think the biggest difference and the best way to explain this is that pro athletes can accept prize money from competition and also money from tours. So post-Olympic tours like Simone's Gold Over America tour. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's pro can accept money from that. At least at this point in time. I've heard that there's some discussion in the works about making it so that way you can keep your eligibility and still make money off of exhibition type performances. But as of right now, as it stands, those are the two biggest ways that pro athletes make money is off of their gymnastics. Yeah. Even as far as like doing a commercial where they're doing gymnastics in the commercial. Yep. Like we've seen Michaela Maroney. I think Lori Hernandez has a commercial with Trulicity right now where 
she's on a beam and it's centered Simone, around her doing gymnastics. Simone and the Uber Eats yeah. commercials. Like they, they do gymnastics in the commercial. So that yeah. would make them pro. Yes. Basically, if you're in a leotard and you're doing flips and you're somehow profiting off that, that would mean you're going pro. Yes. Name, image, likeness. Profiting from that means you're more using the platform that you've built. And it may be from gymnastics. Like you might have this mass following because of the sport. Yeah. But you're not getting brand deals or anything because of you doing gymnastics. Yeah. It's who you are as a person that people are interested in. It's using like your fame, your celebrity to endorse products outside of gymnastics because gymnastics has given you a platform, yes. if that makes sense. So that would mean that they can promote like food, beauty products, like I said before with Reagan, cameo, clothing, they can do autograph signings, they can do personal appearances. Those are examples of things that college athletes can do and still keep their eligibility but profit off of it. Yes. And the reason you can do, because I think this is kind of confusing for people, like autograph signings and personal appearances, that feels very closely related to gymnastics, so it's confusing. Because it's like, if Jordan Childs comes home from the Olympics and she does an autograph signing at, you know, a gym, a local gym, you would think that that would make her pro because it involves, like, her making an appearance because of who she is as a gymnast. But still, it's that fine line of, like, she's not doing gymnastics. She, this, this gym is not paying her to come in and demonstrate gymnastics. I think if they were doing that, then that's where things would get tricky. Yeah. If she's coming in somewhere to do a Q&A and then do an autograph signing, she's using her name, image, and likeness is what got her the deal. It wasn't her physically doing gymnastics that got the deal. She's not performing in any way. If that makes sense. I think it does make sense when you really think about it. It can just be confusing, like, on a surface level. Just think of it as simply performing. There cannot be any performing aspect to what you're doing. If you are doing gymnastics and you accept money for it, that would make you pro. That would interfere with your college eligibility. But Jordan, you know, that's really a good point. You know, with her going to the Olympics and SUNY as well and Grace, they're all going to college or they're expected to go to college after the Olympics, but now they're all on the Olympic team. They're expected to win gold. Jordan is supposed to be going on Simone's tour. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities to make money. And it'll be interesting to see what happens because they've all expressed that they want to go to college. They don't really seem interested in going pro. No, Jordan, I feel like, made that pretty clear, actually. Yeah, she made it pretty clear that she was dead set on going to UCLA. Like, she wants to have a college experience. Yeah. That involves gymnastics. But I want people to get kind of a grasp on what what an athlete would be turning up if they decide to keep their eligibility and go to college. So for the Olympics, and this also plays in with Michaela Skinner as well because she recently went pro and a lot of people were confused because they were like, why can't she return to Utah to finish up her last year of eligibility and then profit still using the name, image, and likeness rule. But... Same thing as we're about to explain here. There's a lot of money on the line when you're involved with the Olympics. Yes, a lot more at stake. And also I think some of this depends on where you live and also who you are. I think athletes in the United States have more opportunities for money. So this is going to be a little bit more applicable to them. Like the United States gymnastics team 
um, just because of all the opportunities and the, the endorsements and the, the opportunities that can arise just from being on like a gold medal winning team in the United States, like yeah. and social media and just like how their platforms, how quickly their platforms can grow. I think a lot of it's dependent on that as well. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know, here is what you can make off of a single Olympic medal. And imagine someone like Simone winning multiple medals. Just do this math in your head. So a gold medal is worth 37500 A silver is 22500 And then a bronze is 15000 So that's a lot of money. Even just for a bronze medal. Like if Michaela were to say go and make the vault finals, win a bronze medal on vault... That's a lot of money just to make for one, you know, vault. Definitely not enough to live off of. But then you take into account the social media following and how that grows with the Olympics. Like we've seen this year after year. Well, I, I make that sound like this social media has been a big thing for years and it hasn't. I feel like starting in 2012, the 2016 Olympics, and we'll also see it with this Olympics, that during the time of the Olympics, these gymnast profiles just like get a massive boost mm-hmm. and they get a lot of new followers. And that also means a lot of new brand deals and opportunities for themselves so I think someone like Michaela like yeah there's a possibility that maybe she can come away with a medal and she could win money from that but then you got to think about all of the opportunities now that she's going to have because she was even just at the Olympics Mm -hmm. like Simone's tour she can make money off of that yeah and we don't know exactly how much they're getting paid for Simone's tour but just from years past what athletes have been paid for like the other tours that USA Gymnastics has put on it's tens of thousands of dollars you factor in all the different tour stops she can make thousands from that i was reading a usa today article and they estimated that depending on like your following and how big it is for social media posts sponsorship deals and commercials you can earn anywhere from twenty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars like per deal that's huge. Yes. And that could apply to college athletes as well. That's where that fine line comes in where, you know, are you doing gymnastics or is it just your name image? Yeah. And for Michaela, I think that the biggest factors with going pro were the possibility of getting an Olympic medal and wanting to do Simone's tour. It'll be interesting to see what Jordan Childs does because like we already said, she's also supposed to be doing Simone's tour and also will likely walk away with at least a gold medal. Yes. So, and has the option for more medals, though, too. Like, even more so than Michaela. Like, Michaela, we're going to get into this in next week's episode. Now I'm like trying to hold back. I start to talk, and then I'm like, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't say this. I think that Jordan has more opportunities for medals than Michaela does. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So, just keep that in the back of your mind. It'll be interesting to see what she does. Yeah. What are, in your opinion, the pros and the cons of this new rule with NCAA athletes being able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness? I feel like there's good things about it, and I feel like there's some things that are not bad. I'm putting that with air quotes. But it's more just, like, annoying for us. Well, I think it's great that they're able to make money. I don't have any problem with that. My philosophy is, like, you built this platform. People care about you. You work really hard to get where you are. Go make that coin. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. I think where it might be a little bit, and this is just my opinion, um, where it might be a little bit annoying is seeing a lot of sponsored ads and content from athletes on your timeline all the time. 
And my only concern is that for some of these athletes, it might not be like a genuine, like these are products that I use. I like these products. Yeah. It'll be a little bit annoying to see athletes promoting things just to make money. And that's just my opinion. And I'm not shaming anyone for doing that. Like, I'm all about, like, do whatever you gotta do. Like, go make go make your money. But... Yeah. I might be unfollowing some people <laughs> if they're our constantly per- posting. On our personal accounts, you mean. Like, on, you know, any gymnastics account we have, whether it's Triple Twist or, like, our podcast account. I don't really care because I, I don't feel like I use... I use our gymnastics social media to post and to like respond to DMs and things like that, but I don't actually do a whole lot of scrolling through my feed on those accounts, at least on Instagram, I should say, Twitter I do, but um, I follow a lot of gymnasts on my personal Instagram and I feel like that's where I might debate (laughs) unfollowing some, unless they're like truly a fave of mine, like the Michigan girls, like I love them, I'm going to follow them no matter what. Follow them to the day you die. Yes. But it's like I don't I don't follow a lot of influencers. Like in general, like I watch YouTube videos and you know, I follow a lot of influencers on TikTok. Like I don't really care. Like to me, that's where I follow influencers. For some reason on my Instagram, I follow people that I know and I follow gymnasts, things that things that I'm interested in, things that I'm passionate about. That's what I follow. Yeah. Um and that's just my personal choice. And some of you may agree with that as well. So it just kind of depends on like what you want to see on your feed I'm still kind of trying to feel that out I don't know if I want my feed my Instagram feed to turn into like influencers and people trying to sell me things I I don't know if that's my vibe yeah so we'll we'll see how I handle that moving forward but like you said I'm still really happy for the athletes I think it's a good opportunity and I think it's well deserved like most college students the average college student I should say has the option to have a job and make money for themselves if they want to. Like, that's something that I, well, maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but I feel like I expect most college students, if they aren't in some sort of sport or extracurricular activity or, like, club, that they do make money for themselves. That or they have families that are rich and pay for them to go to school and fund their lives. That wasn't the case. To each their own. That wasn't the case for me. I had to have a job. But gymnasts and a lot of other college athletes, I feel like, just don't even have that option because they're so engulfed with training and traveling to competitions or meets and also trying to be like a good student and like it's a lot to balance so I think that if they have the platform and they've built a fan base for themselves then they deserve to have the opportunity to try and profit off of you know who they are and what they stand for what their values are what their audience wants to see like I feel like they're entitled to that right to, to their name image and likeness and whatever that can bring for them whether I agree with it personally or not I think it should be like their choice To promote, you know, whatever they want. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think it's just a personal preference thing. It's preferences for the athlete and it's preferences for the fans too. And, you know, in terms of what they want to see on their timelines as well. So I think it's something that each person is going to have to navigate on their own. I'm with you in the sense that I really like to follow people that post content and messages and whatever it might be that that I like. That it's things that I enjoy. It's things that I find interesting. It's things that motivate me. I like things that are just genuine to people. Yeah. And I think it would be nice to see a lot of these athletes getting deals that are genuine to them and things that they enjoy. I think that would be fantastic. It kind of reminds me of you and I. We had someone reach out to us wanting to sponsor our podcast 
And we ultimately decided not to respond because it just didn't feel genuine to us. And it was an opportunity for us to make money, and we're all about that. But it just like didn't we want to get we want to get our coin too. Don't get us wrong. But I think we value being genuine. Like I feel like that's one thing that I pride us on with this podcast is that we're real and we. We're real in our opinions, and I also feel like if I'm promoting something to you, I would want you as a listener to know that I'm being genuine in that. That, like, I'm not just going to be like, oh, hey, you should you should go try this because it's great when I'm over here like I've never used it in my life. That, I don't like that. I don't want people to do that to me, and I don't want to do that to other people. Yeah. The company that reached out to us was a, like, male personal hygiene product. Like, it was, yeah. like, male razors and... It just did products like, to shave your ball sack. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> other I think other platforms like other podcasts have probably got the same. Yeah, there's deal. another there's another gymnastics podcast that um, did appear to take that ad, <laughs> but that made a little bit more sense because they have a male on their staff. We don't. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I can sit here and talk to you guys about a razor that's meant for a male when you know that we are both females and like that just doesn't feel very genuine. Yeah. Like I don't want to do fake. I don't want to do that to you guys <laughs> just so that way I can make money. That's not what I'm about. So, yeah. hopefully you guys respect that and we can also, you know, kind of hopefully expect the same from these athletes at least i hope mm-hmm. i don't want them to just take deals to take deals i want it to be something that reflects them this is my hope of course yeah not saying this is going to happen but in an ideal world you know they have this opportunity now this great opportunity to make money and hopefully they use it for good and they can promote things or products that are true to them and still make money off of it i would love to see that i'm already kind of tired of GoPuff. I didn't even know what GoPuff was, but so many athletes have been promoting it, and I'm like, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm, like, really sheltered, but I didn't know what GoPuff was. Did you guys? I didn't know what it was. Please let us know, because I had only recently heard of it, like, the past week or so, and that's because a bunch of gymnasts are, like, and this is on the men's and women's side, are partnering with them, and they have, like, a, a code to offer to people. And I'm like, is this thing actually good? Do we actually enjoy this? Or was this just like the first company that like spam reached out to everybody? That's kind of what it seems like. But I I hope the athletes have at least tried it. And maybe it is their go-to snack now. (laughs) I guess we'll see, right? Going forward. Maybe I will try it. Maybe maybe it'll work. Maybe I'll let them influence me because now everyone's talking about it. No, I don't want to. I don't want to fall victim to that. You got to stand strong against GoPuff. Don't cave in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyways, if you guys have any questions about this, anything that we didn't make clear enough, feel free to reach out. We're all things gym pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have an email, all things gym pod at gmail.com. And between the two of us, I would say we're pretty good about responding to people. Oh, I feel like we're really quick. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, unless I'm dead ass doing something, I respond to people within like a minute of them sending a message. <laughs> I look like I have no life. Like it'll be like a Saturday night and I should be like out doing something fun, but I'm like responding to Instagram messages. I'm not that quick. I'll get back to you within the day, but if your message happens to come across Brittany's eyes first, you'll get a very prompt response. Yes. You're welcome. You can thank me later. <laughs> but feel free to reach out if you have any questions about anything, whether it's this name, image, likeness stuff, whether it's anything with the Olympics. I know a lot of people, the most popular message we get, I think, is how can I watch? Mm-hmm. And that's for any meet. 
even like college meets, like that's always the main question in our DMs is how can I watch this? And also for international people, like I, I think it's just a lot. It's confusing. And I think the Olympics is going to be even more confusing because there's so many, like the, the time change, like we said, there is so many different places to watch. I'm sure there's going to be different streams that are like not, not legal. Like, yeah, not legal. Um, there'll be different ways. So we will link down in the show notes anything that we can that'll be helpful to you guys. And thank you to everybody who's been working hard to put all that together. I also wanted to shout out Dr. Sam. She put together a, for that name, image, likeness stuff, she put together like a spreadsheet of all of the deals that these gymnasts have been getting. Um, so she's kind of keeping track of that. So shout out to her. She's amazing. She's a spreadsheet wizard. We'll link that below. Koshi Edits on Twitter. We gave them a shout out for doing like an Olympic schedule. Um, that'll hopefully be really helpful to you guys and that'll also be down below. And anything else that we stumble across that we think will be of use, we will put down below. And we'll also post it on social media as we go. Yeah. It's one of those things that like as we find something, we either retweet it, we'll share it ourselves just to always keep everybody informed. That does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back next week with Olympic medal predictions. We're actually going to be collaborating with the Half and Half Out podcast once again. And the plan is that over on their podcast, we're going to talk about the medal hopes and predictions for the team and all around finals. And then over on our show, we're going to do all of the event final predictions. So we hope you guys will join us next week for that episode. And until then, we hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe out there. And we will talk to you next Monday. Bye. Bye.